Today's reading is from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. Hey, good morning, everyone. Oh, pretty full in here today. I guess you don't notice until you get up here, I guess. Well, glad to have all of you here with us, and uh, welcome, welcome. If you're here visiting with us, we're glad to have you. So, the title this morning, From Birth to Death, and uh, we're starting a sermon series. There's going to be four, four sermons, so Jay and I are sharing on this, uh, this work. So, I have the first one, Jay will take the next one, then I'll take the one after that, and he'll take the last one, which will be Christmas Eve. So, uh, And so, for the first, oh, and the, and the series, the title of the series is, Jesus, Son of God. So we're, we're going to be looking at that this month, in the month of December. So this one, from birth to death, that's what we want to look at this morning. At this time of year, a lot of people are thinking about the birth of Christ, you know, this month in particular. What I'd like us to do this morning is look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and read through this passage about the birth of Christ, along with a few other passages, so that we can clearly see what exactly the good news is and what is really important for us to remember as Christians. So if you'll uh, follow along with me in Luke chapter 2, and we'll start off by reading verses 1 to 3 of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So a census had to be taken. It's no different today. Maybe that's where it got started. We we take a census, don't we? We have Stats Canada. We have a census. They want to know how many are living in each household and all this different information. But back then, even back then, they used to take a census. Now, a census had to be taken. And here's a description of the census according to one commentary. Uh, So this is what he says. He says, every five years, each male Roman citizen had to register in Rome for the census. In this, he had to declare his family, wife, children, slaves, and riches. Should he fail to do this, his possessions would be confiscated and he would be sold into slavery. But registration meant freedom. A master wishing to free his slave needed only to enter him in the censor's list. As a citizen, so he could free his, you could free your slave that way. Registration in the census was the only way that a Roman could ensure that his identity and status as a citizen were recognized. Primarily, the census served to count the number of citizens 
and to assess the potential military strength and future tax revenue. So that was the idea that the Romans wanted to know how much military power they had, how many strong young men, and how much money, how much revenue they could be bringing in. Most important, the census transformed the city into a political and military community. So at this particular time, Caesar Augustus wanted this census taken of the entire Roman world. In other words, the entire Roman Empire. A census of all those living under the rule of the Roman Empire. This means that those who are not Roman citizens were also included in this census, even if they weren't Roman citizens. Imagine the Canadian government taking a census to find out how many people lived in Canada, how many of them are healthy and capable to be in the army, and also to how, how to find out how much revenue they could bring in from all the different families in Canada. That's kind of what's going on here. It's like that. This was what it was like, and it was mandatory. You, you had no choice. You had to do this. And so that's why we see in that account that we see that they had to travel there and be there. People had no choice. It was the law. This was something that we could see that Mary and Joseph had to take part in. They had no choice. So they had to travel there and do this. So verses 4 to 7 now, and follow along. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, in cloth, sorry, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Joseph belonged to the line of David, and Jesus was to be born of the line of David. So this verse refers to the Messiah, a descendant of David. Micah's prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, speaks of Bethlehem as the Messiah's place of origin. From the ancient family of the house of David will come forth the Messiah, the Christ, the one who would come, whose existence was known to God from the beginning of time. Let's take a look now, verses 8 to 20, and read through, and then we'll just talk a little bit about what we've looked at. So, verse 8 down to verse 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So we see this account of the birth of Christ. We see it for what it truly was and is. It's good news. They mention good news. But take a look again at verses 10 and 11 that we read. And notice what it says. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. Yes, there's the good news. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. Is the birth of Christ really the good news here? Why would his birth be good news? What was so important about his birth? The Messiah, the Christ and King had finally come. It is the great incarnation. God come in the flesh. The Jews have been waiting a long time for his appearance. And now he's finally here. The good news wasn't that Jesus had been born. The good news was that he had finally come. That was the good news. The one they had been waiting for all this time had finally arrived. God in the flesh had come. But why was that good news? Well, look at what we heard from the reading just before the lesson. When we think back on the birth account of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. That is the good news. The one that they had been waiting for finally came. The one that would come and save us. He had finally arrived. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if, when we were God's enemies, notice, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The Son of God had finally come, and he would take away the sins of the world. But the birth doesn't accomplish this. His death does. It's his death that we should be thinking about. It's his death that saves us. God Almighty took on flesh. He made his dwelling among us, then became a sacrifice for us, and died on the cross. We should be remembering Jesus as our risen Lord and Savior, our powerful risen Lord and Savior and King who made it possible for us to be saved. We remember this when we get together on the first day of the week, when we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine at the Lord's table. And I like what Kyle had to say this morning. That works so perfectly. The passage that he used, because we are told in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, to remember his death until he comes. Why would we remember his death? Because his death is what had power in it for us to be saved. His blood that washed away our sins. This time of year is a very happy time. Even, even I consider it a very happy time. I love Christmas time. It's a wonderful time. And a lot of people behave in a way at this time of the year that they don't behave the rest of the year. You wish you could just bottle that and have that all year long, right? That euphoria, you know, everybody's in a good mood. You wish they could be like that all year long. They should be. And as Christians, we should be. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as one song says, right? When it comes to the birth of Christ, remembering a birth seems to be a happier thing to remember than a death, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. A birth is always a happier thing to remember than a death. But remembering the death of Christ should not be seen as a sad occasion. It's a happy time. When we go to a funeral, we often celebrate the life of the one who has died. Well, in the same way, we celebrate the life of Jesus every Lord's Day. But he isn't dead, and it's not a funeral. He died, but he rose again, and he's very much alive in heaven. And that is something to be happy about. 
along with the forgiveness that we receive through him. That's something to celebrate. That is something to celebrate. So remembering the death of Christ is to be a happy occasion. It is something to be celebrated because we would not be here today as a family if not for that love and that sacrifice. So again, the good news from the text we read this morning was that the Messiah had come. The one who would save us had come. Salvation had come. And that salvation is still available for us today, for anyone and everyone who would come to Christ. So for anyone who is here today, for those of you here, my family, I say this, I want to challenge you. For this month, try to think more about the death of Christ and what that means for you rather than his birth. After all, he is our risen Lord and Savior. I don't want to view Jesus as a little baby. I want to view him as my powerful, risen Lord and Savior. For anyone who here who is, is here today and has not, has not heard that good news, if you have not done that, if you have not heard it, if you have not responded to it, today is the day to do that. Today, this morning. Won't you come forward this morning to hear that good news and be saved? Let's stand and sing our last song in the morning.